Welcome back, guys. I'm Peter. And I'm Dustin. And today, we are super stoked for this episode. This is our, our first guest that we have joining us today on the podcast. Uh, his name is Matt Migliori, and he's a very famous chef out here in New York City. Uh, Dustin and I, we actually had the pleasure of doing a virtual class with him a we couple did. weeks ago. Food was phenomenal. The experience was phenomenal. I hope everyone's hungry. If you're not, you're going to be fucking starving after this at episode. the end of this that's for sure oh, so for sure it's good i actually really enjoyed that uh that little class that we did with him i have guys personally zero experience with cooking i know how to make steak and uh and cereal and and waffles <laughs> that's and that's and, about uh, it uber eats and i'm really uh, good at postmates really good at postmates, ordering postmates is this is jam I get a lot, a lot of crap from Dustin about it, but Dustin's actually got some uh, more experience in the kitchen um, from his roots yeah. back in Chicago. Got some, got some experience in the kitchen life, but uh, yeah, let's get, let's get into, uh, let's talk about our uh, phenomenal guest. All right, so for all of you that do not know him, Chef Matt Migliori has cooked at some of New York City's top restaurants for the past decade. He is extremely well-versed in various cuisines such as Peruvian, Japanese, and modern American. What's cool about him is he's a minimalistic chef that strongly believes each ingredient should stand on its own. He started his professional career in New York City, and he was actually named Chopped Winner on season 41. He was featured on The Best Thing I Ever Ate for his famous lime pie, which we've actually tried, and it is absolutely unreal. Oh, my God. It's so was, good. I put it on my Instagram if anyone follows me. Oh, man. That well, was delicious. He surprised couple, us with about that. a month ago. Yeah, it was good stuff. Chef Matt's worked at Morimoto in New York City, where he expanded his knowledge of Japanese cuisine. And prior to its closing, Matt was the executive sous chef of the Omakase Japanese Tasting Menu Bar. Chef Matt then landed at Madre in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, as executive sous chef, where he worked briefly just before quarantine went into full effect. And during this period of adversity, Chef Matt decided to pivot to recipe consulting and hosting virtual cooking classes, which we were telling you guys about earlier, in order to continue his career as a chef. So without further ado, we'd like to welcome Chef Matt Migliori to the show. All right, all right. So we got Chef Matt for our very first interview. Super, super stoked to have you here, man. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us, Chef. Oi, oi, Chef. Oi. Thank you for having me. Just quick, quick background before we get into this. So I, I remember, so you were very well loved in the city by a lot of people. I actually, the way that we connected was on Instagram. I had first gotten to the city and I didn't have very many recipes uh, that I knew how to make myself besides steak. And so I put up a story. I was like, all right, guys, any good options for some cooking classes, some virtual cooking classes? I got a ton of responses, ton of DMs. Yeah. And I would say like, <laughs> no joke, man, like 90% of them were all for you, rep um, um, recommending Chef Mac, giving me your Instagram. So that's how we kind of got in contact. So I just want to let you know you're very well loved. So we're super stoked to have you on this podcast. Chef gets around. I love it, man. Okay, Chef. I love it. Getting around in these streets. Okay. <laughs> I respect there the hustle. Go. All right, man. So I guess let's get into it. Um, why don't you tell us how you started cooking? Damn, I haven't thought about that question in a while. <laughs> well, Chef, Chef, where are you from? Let's give a little background. Where are you from first? So I'm from uh, Rochester, New York. Uh, that's like way upstate New York by like Lake Ontario, like literally like an hour across the lake from like Toronto, Canada. Okay. Super like lake effect snow, like super cold. Um 
Well, I, I started working in kitchens when I was like like 14. After school, I would like I there was like this like Philly steakout restaurant that I would like work at, like just washing dishes after school and stuff. You know, it was like throughout high school, like I didn't really see myself like doing you know, like much of like anything other than cooking because I was always in restaurants. Like I worked at like, you know, local restaurants, like in the Rochester area. Um, I would do, be like a prep cook. I would work garmage, which is like salads and like desserts and stuff like that. Um, but I really found it like interesting, like, I guess like the lifestyle that most of these line cooks had. Um, so I kind of like really fell into like the lifestyle, I guess. It really wasn't like a passion for food, at like the beginning when I was like maybe like 16 or 17, but it was more as like like the okay. rock and roll lifestyle, you know? Um, but like my parents have always like been good cooks. Like they've always, you know, they've always made it a point for like me and my sister to like, you know, eat well, you know? But like we would all, we would still have those like frozen chicken tender nights and like French fry nights, you know? Was this kind of like your family kind of like uh, encouraged you to get into this whole industry or this was like you're the first generation type chef from your family. You're the first one to like be a trailblazer who kind of inspired you to do it. Yeah, they. I mean, my parents have always been like super supportive of like whatever I've done, you know, like. Um, but no, I would say like, you know, because like the older crowd, you know, like my like my parents generation, it's like, OK, get like a super stable job, get a 401k, like, you know, do something that's like, I guess socially acceptable, maybe. I don't know if that, for lack of a better word. Um, Whatever that means, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. But you said you started working in kitchens at like 14, right? Yeah, but like washing dishes for like pocket money. You know what I mean? It's Your like, parents were like, hey, I don't know what to tell you. You just turned 14, but you yeah. got to get a job. It's like, it's like, you gotta get, yeah. you it's gotta, like, yo, dad, I want to get, yeah. get this Xbox, bro. And he's like, he's like, okay, get a, get a job, dude. Like, <laughs> I was like, all right, bye, done. No, it was like, um, you know, it was just one of those things I've always been kind of good at. You know, it's like always like, yeah, like for one, like delegating and like always doing multiple things at one time. Um, but yeah, it's like something I really kind of fell in love with, like over the years. And then moving to New York is what really kind of, you know, inspired me to like love food and actually like love what I do, because as opposed to being surrounded by people who are doing it just because of the lifestyle, like sex, drugs, rock and roll kind of thing. Um, people really loved food, like the cooks that I surrounded myself with, the sous chefs, the executive chefs, like even down to like the prep cooks and like the service staff, like everybody loved what they did. And so surrounding yourself with people who, you know, who want nothing but perfection and nothing but success that like, you know, kind of bleeds into you, you know, it's all about surrounding yourself with that kind of environment. So like, 10 years ago, I would say is when I started like really like grinding in kitchens. I don't think people know how intense it is to be in the back of the kitchen or in the kitchen period. Yeah, I, I've just, I've only seen a little, the one restaurant job I kind of had was I was a, a host at CPK, California Pizza Kitchen. That's the extent. You were I, a host? You were a I host? I was a host. That, this is yeah, one of my first jobs back in the day. Um, but man, I look up to you so much because you say you just have always naturally been such a good cook. I am the exact opposite. I have always naturally <laughs> been such a horrible cook. I, it just doesn't make sense to me, like the way the ingredients go and just and, and prepping it. Um, so definitely look up to someone with that talent. Um, I appreciate that. What a great place to do it, obviously, in New York. You know, I don't think there's a better place to cook and, and uh, all the restaurants that this place offers. As they say, if you could do it in New York, you could do it anywhere. That's fact. That's true. I mean, that's it it honestly true. It's it's really hard. Like the kitchens here are like, cre like some of them like that I've worked in. It's like you wouldn't you would like go and eat and you'd be like, wow, like this is like the most special night. This is so magical. And then like you go see the kitchen. Like kitchen's like super clean and tight, but it's tiny. 
you know what I mean? You're like, holy shit, like how do they how do they do that? You know, it's it's just like a classic New York kitchen. But so what's that like breaking into you come to New York City, you wanna, you know, you have a dream of being a chef in this beautiful city. What's that kind of process like? Obviously, I can imagine it's extremely competitive. Like, do you have to have a certain, I don't know, is it a degree or whatnot from a, a culinary school, or is it a lot of connections of all who you know? Like, how do you break into this market in such a big city? Um, I would say like for New York, um, basically what I did, um, I took like a bus to New York from Rochester and I literally just walked into restaurants. Like I would walk in through like their service entrance, like their back door, their front. And I would like walk back to the kitchen and like talk to the chef and be like, Hey, are you guys hiring? Blah, blah, blah. And you know, in terms of like culinary school, it's funny because I get asked this question a lot, like from different clients and stuff like, Oh, like, you know, would you recommend to like a young, you know, graduate, like to go to like a high school grad to like, they really want to learn how to cook. Would you suggest going to culinary school and to be completely transparent and like honest for me personally, no, because chefs do not give a shit about culinary school. They don't care about it. If anything, if anything, you're like, well, forget everything that you learned at culinary school, you're going to learn here. You know, so I think personally, like working for like the whole kind of like the whole kind of system for like working in a restaurant is like you pick like what you want to do. You pick a restaurant you really want to work at. You work there for like a year. Right. And after that year, you soak up so much information. It's like, Jeff, pay me what you want. Like work me how you want. It's totally fine. But I just want to learn from you. And then after that year, you leave, you go to another restaurant and learn from another chef, so on and so forth until you get like your first, you know, your sous chef gig or like a chef cuisine gig or like exec chef gig. And then after that, you know, you open up your own spot and do what you want with your career. But I would say like literally just open that door and be like, just walk straight back to the kitchen and be like, yo, hire me. I want a job. I want to work. Pay me what you want. <laughs> you know? I'm t- hey, I'm telling you dishwashers, man. Dishwashers make the best chefs, man. You go in there, just ask to wash dishes. You're going to be surrounded by all these chefs and everyone, and you just wait for your opportunity. And the thing is, it's like you learn from like, yeah, you learn from like the ground up. Like you walk in as a dishwasher and like, you don't know anything about cooking. Like for one, like culinary arts and like working in a restaurant, being a chef, like I feel like, you know, there's other industries where maybe you could like fake it till you make it. But like in terms of cooking, you can't. Like it's, you just have to like put your, put yourself in that position and be like, okay, I want to learn. Like, I know I suck. I know I don't know anything, but teach me. Like if you're full transparent about it, they'll be like, word, I got you. You know? So you put the work in, get some years of experience. Okay. I hear you. A hundred percent. Chef, what was your, um, what was your first big boy job? Big boy chef job that you were like, oh shit, like this is it. I made it. <laughs> it's time to, it's time to do work now. Man, let me think. I would have to say so I'm I'm kind of going like back and forth between two two right now. So my first sous chef job was at Petaluma in the Upper East Side. Um when they reopened, so they opened up in like 1984, 1985, something like that. Um, and then closed down for like, I think it was like maybe 10 years or something like that. And then they like reopened with like a new chef, new new style of food. And I was like 23 years old and like a hothead. Like I was an asshole. <laughs> like I basically took, I basically took like all the crap that my past chefs put me through. And I'm like, yes, it's my turn. But that was like the worst thing I could ever do because like nobody could work for me. Like it didn't end great. You know, I was there for maybe like a year, but like 
I was just so like, just go hard, like hardcore all the time against the grain. Um, and that kind of like humbled me after that experience. But I would say like my first like really big boy, like where I controlled like the restaurant basically as like a chef de cuisine um, was at Llama Inn in Williamsburg. I was there for like four years. I remember when we did the online cooking, you were telling me like, I was telling you like, I've heard chefs like get after us before and like just stick mm-hmm. it to us like you were saying. And you said, I mean, what you just said, like that's what you did, but you told us during the virtual cooking that that's not the best way to get your team involved and get going. No. I, I believe you said that, right? Like you really yeah, yeah. changed the pace of that. It's it's like so negative, you know, like doing that. Like that's how, honestly, as a line cook, that's how I came up. Like a lot of the chefs that I had, like were very like personal with like their insults and like very- They shit like, on you. They shit yeah, on you. Yeah, and it's like, and it's like not for nothing. It's like, bro, you're paying me like freaking nine bucks an hour. My rent's like 950 bucks a month. <laughs> like, right. like you're, you're treating me like crap. Like you're literally like paying me for 40 hours, but like you're making me work like an extra like 25, 30 for free. Because it's like, yo, you have to get here at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Make sure your station's set up because it's all on you. And I'm like, I'm like 20 years old. I'm like, okay, we chef. Yeah, chef. Like whatever you need me to do. Like I'll shine your shoes, bro. Like, <laughs> you know? It's almost, it feels like it's, that's almost like a hazing period or something, you know, kind yeah. of paying your dues. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, like in your early years. I don't think it stops though. I think the head chef just shits on, whoever's higher up always just shits on the lower person until their same level. Like. So like the whole, whole Gordon Ramsay, like uh, that whole type of personality, that's pretty accurate in the kitchen sometimes. Well, honestly, guys, like it was, like it was a thing. And that was like before, like, you know, everybody's starting to speak up about it. Um, like it was a very like volatile, you know, atmosphere and like in certain kitchens. However, like, you know, like my peers and like, you know, the people that I came up with, like the other chefs, not like my buddies, right? Like we're all kind of on the same page. It's like, you know, you don't, that's not, that's not how it works anymore. Like not even like we're in a new time, but it's like, I didn't enjoy being treated like that. And like, they got the worst of me. Like I did a great job cooking in a restaurant. Like I did a great job, like regardless, but like outside of work, I was a piece of shit. You know, I was, I was angry all the time. I was depressed all the time. I was pissed off all the time. You know, nothing good came out of it. So it's like, okay, if you dig kind of deep and you're like, wait a minute, you know, maybe that was the root of it. You know, so it's like you want to treat people with respect, like your your coworker or your your the people that work for you, you work with them through your assets. So you treat them with respect, you pay them what they deserve, you know, give them the time off that they need. Cause it's like at the end of the day, it's a hard freaking job. You know, it's like sure. I've had cooks come up to me and be like, Chef, like, I'm not gonna be set up, like I'm having a panic attack. Like I've seen cooks like crying in dry storage, like crying and walking, like it's a hard job. And it's like, yo, let's step outside, like go smoke a cigarette, like hang out for a second. I got you. Just tell me what you need. And me and the other Sue's got you, you know, instead of like, like I've had that shit happen to me where I'm just like, holy shit, I'm not going to be set up. I'm not going to be set up. And like the chef would come in like, bro, what you doing? Like, bro, get on your station. What are you doing, bro? Like, you're going to get fired, this and that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, chef. But like, I had to work through that anxiety. And that's so just like, it's terrible. It's like, it's cancerous. It's negative. Like, it's just not good. So the best way to treat somebody like through your assets, like treat them right, treat them positively, give them time off, like, and like water the plant, you know? Um, I haven't really did it much since COVID, but before I would always try to go up to the chef or the line cooks and just give my appreciation. Tell them the food is good. Do you guys appreciate mm-hmm. that? I mean, since oh, it's so stressful, bro. the best 100%. thing for people to come up to you and be like, it was so good. 1,000%. So I, I definitely want to start doing that more. And anyone listening, definitely, yeah. 
Say thank you to the line cooks and chefs. Yeah, go 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 to your local bodega. Get them like a twelve pack of Budweiser or something. They'll definitely love you. <laughs> they'll really they'll, love they'll, rem- they'll remember your face. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, man. So obviously, you know this podcast is mainly about New York City. So in regards to um, you know your career so far as being a chef, how would you compare cooking in New York City to other places that you've cooked? Like, what's the main difference? Um, you know, honestly, I've really only primarily cooked in New York City. Um, I mean, in like Rochester for like a couple years. I mean, I did spend a little bit of time in Peru um, for a little bit, and like in Peru, I no did, I, yeah, I did like a small event in like Madrid, but that was only for like a you know like a week or two. Um, but it's it's all actually kind of like the same. Like like I said, like once you're surrounded by people who love what they're doing, it doesn't matter where you are. I mean, maybe some places like you know, like for example, like we in New York, we can get whatever we want, like in terms of like product, right? Like we can get the best Japanese Wagyu beef that money could buy in New York city. Like, as opposed to maybe like in like Southwest Florida, you can't get that. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. like you can get like a lot of really good ingredients and like, I guess like the level or like the difference of um, like the type of cook might differ. But I know like, for example, when I worked in Central in Lima, all the cooks there were like, like New York style cooks, like almost like New York bread cooks. They were like super serious, like, you know, very spot on, like, you know, very analytical, very methodical with like their meats and plots. Um, but, you know, I, like I said, like working elsewhere, like I haven't, you know, like gone to California, gone to LA and worked in, you know, other states like that. But I mean, it all depends like who you surround yourself yeah, with and sense. like the type of restaurant, like researching, like researching the chef at the restaurant and see like what they're all about. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, you could work for a chef in New York City and the chef's like, okay, or you can work for like somebody that you've researched, let's say in like, you know, like Maryland or something like that. And it's like, okay, like I see the type of, you know, breed the chef is. So therefore his or her kitchen is going to be that same breed. You know, it's going to be like the same magnitude, right? So it's like, you know, but New York City has like that whole thing of, you know, super fast pace. A lot of people, everybody's, you know, it's like a rat race all the time. Of course. Yeah. Go, super go, fast go. Pace. Hey, hey, Pete, Pete, I got a question for you. Um, I'll give you 20 bucks if you could tell us what Mies and Plots is. You're keeping that 20 bucks, bro. I have, you said meats and Plots? <laughs> <laughs> meets and plus. Meets and you, you got you got you got to educate me man I, I have no idea i apologize it's basically like the the translation itself is to have everything in its place so it's like you know like when we did like our class it's like we have you know we have like our mussels and our clams and like our shrimp and like our oils and tomatoes and stuff like that like all ready to go but that's in like a literal sense but like you can use me some plus like throughout your life like look i need to be prepared for, you know, this interview that I have, or I have to be prepared for like this assignment or, you know, whatever it is. All right. I got to get my mise en plots in order. What was that dish that we made? Um, it was the, pos- the, 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 the seaweed uh, or not seaweed, seafood uh, type pasta dish that we made. What was the name That's of good. it again? It was like a Fra Diablo. Fra Diablo. Yeah. Like a, like a spicy, like seafood, like kind of like bully base. And we did it with uh, Cavatelli. Yeah, that, that pasta is like chronic. <laughs> Good. Yeah, we got. To, I, that was the first time I ever made pasta on my own with the you, you form it with the, with the with the fork. It was pretty cool. Yo, that's a perfect thing though. Like right there, if you it bring is. a girl over and you make pasta from scratch, like come on. Yeah, Chef Matt, you know Chef Matt is just killing it with these with these dates. <laughs> when he when he wants to impress a girl, like 
Women no love, issues whatsoever. Women love chefs. Women go crazy over chefs. <laughs> and that's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how I met my fiance. I mean, she still goes crazy over me, but for different reasons. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, that's how, honestly, that's how we met. I was a, the sous chef over at Petaluma and she was the hostess. And I'm like, yo, let's go, let's go get a drink. No way. Okay. She's like, oh my God, you're a chef. <laughs> let's get a drink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> One thing led to another. There you go. 100%. You guys are engaged. Well, congratulations on that, man. Thanks, bro. Let's crash that wedding, Pete. Let's crash it. Oh, we better get an invite. <laughs> Who's the coolest person you cook for? Let me think. The coolest person that I have cooked for. Oh my gosh, I just. Or like, someone you got really excited about. Someone that you were like, you almost got jitters. Like, oh fuck. Besides when you cook with Dustin and I. Besides that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Besides that. Besides being all, all starstruck. Um, man, let me think. Well, I've, I've cooked for I've cooked for Aziz Ansari. Um, I've cooked for Jennifer Lawrence. What else? Oh my god, I have to like dig deep here. Um, I did this event in Spain for like, like um, the president of um, the president of like Peru, and like one of like the, okay. like a bunch of like the richest people in Peru. That was pretty cool. Um, what else, man? I'm trying to really think about this. I mean, doing virtual. I did virtual classes with like Laura Dern and like Courtney Cox and shit. And that was yo. Those two are like wild. Those two are like super super cool. But like. Uh, nobody really like, you know, that was like in front of me, like having a conversation with me. Uh, there was this one dude, um, his name is Jeff Rickley and he's the lead singer of Thursday. And like that band Thursday, I used to listen to them since I was like, like 12 years old. And I was like, holy shit, dude, like you're fucking sitting right in front of me right now. Like, uh, (laughs) Eric Andre, Eric Andre was pretty fun too. Yeah, Eric Andre was pretty fun to cook for too. He he also like came in and like when I was at Lama and it was like it's like a kitchen counter with like an open kitchen. And like this is before like his like movie came out and like he was maybe in like his second or third season of like the Eric Andre show or something like that. And like he walked in and like, you know, nobody really knew who he was. And like he walked in, and I was like, yo, dude, it's fucking Eric Andre. Like, and he like looked at me, he's like, yo, what's up? And like he just walked over, sat down and like we just shot the shit and I cooked for him. It was fun, you know, but like people are just That's like super ass. down to earth. Like people who don't have like that, you know, kind of pretense. If you can say who was the worst person you had to cook for. I'll, I'll be straight up about it. Um, because like, I don't really like being around the bush when it comes to like, you know, people who don't like really respect what like, you know, chefs do or like what like, you know, front of the house, back of the house does. I guess people that are just like assholes. Like, there's people who, like, leave, like, shitty Yelp reviews for, like, no fucking reason. There's people yeah. that just, like, come in and just, like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm having a bad day, so I'm gonna make every, every other person's, like, day worse, you know? I don't understand that. I Those hate that. Those are the worst people ever. And they're just, like, normal people, you know what I mean? Like, they're just regular people. If I ever went on a date with someone, I always... That's one of my indicators if someone's a good person or, or a bad person. Yeah. If you go on a date with someone and they treat the... Um, you know, if they treat the waiter, waitress, like, terrible. Like, if you're giving them a hard time, fuck, I don't want to go on a date with you again. I don't want to date you. You're going to give my, you're gonna make my life a hard time. That's just a, a quick indicator. Oh, it's a good indicator for sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can't stand it. The, 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 the nasty. I mean, of course, sometimes, you know, the Yelp reviews, it's, it's warranted or whatnot, but um, if like there was a horrible situation, but yeah, I mean, I don't get all that negativity out there. So I just don't like the fact that it kind of like opens up everybody to be like, Ooh, I can be a critic now. It's like, fuck you can. <laughs> you can't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see you try this. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, you worked with various cuisines. Uh, so Peruvian, Japanese, modern American. Those are the top three. Would you consider any of those a specialty? I would say like Peruvian, um, but not like traditional Peruvian cooking. I would say like, because um, like every kind of culture and every different cuisine has like its, you know, its traditions. Like Italian, we could say like, you know, like the, the we can say like, you know, tomato sauce and like Sicily, like pastas and like the northern regions of like in, or, uh, Italy is like, okay, a lot of rice, a lot of dairy. Um, but like, each each culture has like its own kind of tradition, but I think like it's it's interesting like seeing like kind of like a culture or like seeing like a country that has like like the Amazon, the coast, like the desert, the mountains, like it has Japanese influence, like Chinese influence, um, like like African and like ancient like you know ancient Incan like culture to it, and it has, like, so many different ingredients and superfoods that, like, most of which haven't even been discovered yet, like, over 4,000 different types of potatoes and, like, quinoas and grains and, like, all this crazy shit, and, like, I don't think it should be, should be like, subjected to, like, you know, you have to make, you know, you have to make ceviche this way, you have to make lomo saltado this way, like, you have to make certain things this way. What I like to do is, like, being able to, you know, be able to source and, like, being able to have, like, access to like those ingredients and that kind of culture and kind of reinterpret them in like, in like a New York kind of style, like a Brooklyn kind of style, like, of, like doing something where it's just like not super starch heavy, where it's like, you know, really nice piece of fish with like some sauce and like, you know, a couple plate touches, but something like super, you know, just like avant-garde, but very simple at the same time. Chef, if you ever wanted to do a travelogue and go travel and try all these superfoods, I am down. I want to go with you. I'm all for that eating in the rainforest and all these different cultures and superfoods. That shit turns yeah. me on like no other. Like, yeah. that kind of stuff, oh, I love that stuff. Just walking around the Amazon with like machete, just chopping down like Lucuma and Chirimoya and shit. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, man. This is a, uh, a fun question here. Perfect thing for someone like us that obviously is not as talented as you. Uh, to make for a date night? Um, pasta is definitely a crusher. Like, pasta is, like, number one. Um, okay. I would do also something sweet, like chocolate. Like, being able to, like, do, like, a like some kind of, like, mousse or, like, an anglaise like, or, like, a custard, but, like, doing it from scratch is, like... That's pretty impressive. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Mm, can't say it, but it's, so it's, it's, yeah. saying, that's how you get lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's how you get lucky. Yeah, exactly. The exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's how you do it. Honestly, like pasta's pasta's huge, and like doing stuff that's like super technical, like like doing like a risotto would be like super nice, and like like stay stay with like the whole fish and like shellfish kind of thing too. Like that's definitely you know bonus points. Awesome. But what's the easiest one for some? Those are the easiest ones to do for someone like. Us that aren't, you know, kind of know what we're doing, but not really. I would do like, for example, like cochio pepe, right? Like it's it's basically like spaghetti, like homemade like spaghetti or like any kind of like noodle that you want 
with like just like a shit ton of like Parmesan cheese, like egg yolk to kind of emulsify the sauce, like a bunch of black pepper and like some peas. Like it's super simple. Like you like make pasta with like him or her. Like, and like, you just make it like a fun night of making pasta, but like you guys can kind of bullshit and like chat and like whatever, and like do whatever yeah. you got to do. And at the end of the day, like the sauce is like, it's like four ingredients. It's super easy. So you don't have to be like, okay, okay. shit, I, I need this. I need about. this. I need this. Yeah. Like make it super simple. And like, at the end of the day, make her like a, like a creme brulee or some shit. And like, she'll fucking love you. Forever. <laughs> I'll right, what you want. Matt, we heard it here. <laughs> chef, I'll tell you what I do every now and then. I haven't did it since I've been in New York, but getting a, a pack of ramen noodles, cooking yeah. it, put a, a little, drop an egg in there, and then yeah. put it into oh, yeah. like a big uh, coffee cup. And just seasoning mm-hmm. the top. With Are you like, talking about like the cup of noodles? It's like you literally yeah. just put boiling water. In oh, it. it's so easy. But if you mm. drop an egg in it, it's already on the next level. Yeah, okay. it's like classic ramen. You just don't. You don't. You don't show her that that's where it came from. You you, you throw that little plastic oh, yeah, container you don't show out. Her. You don't show her. You act her like that. you made it from like you don't show. Yeah, you just bring in the finished ingredients and you put yeah. some seasoning on top to kind of. Ramen's actually ramen's actually a good one too. I mean that's simple enough. And like you can buy the noodles like. Don't don't get caught with your pants down and like she opens your cabinet and she sees like four packs of like shrimp flavored ramen. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I love that. I remember in college I used to live off that. Yeah, no, exactly. It was like tu- like tuna and like ramen noodles and like bush light. <laughs> Tell us a time that you really just fucked up a dish for someone, like at a restaurant or something. And but and you still had to serve it though. Oh, yeah. I'll let you think on it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fuck. I feel fucking so shitty saying this. Okay. <laughs> no, I guess the worst. Be real. I guess. I guess the worst thing I've done in a kitchen. Um, this goes back. Okay. I'm 30 now. Just I want to, for the record, this was when I was like 16 years old. This is when you were like you were a hothead back in the day. Hothead, rookie mistake. This is when he was young. I wasn't like cooking at the level like, you know, I've been cooking at like recently. You know what I mean? It was yeah, it was at like the Philly steakout place and we used to like sell chicken wings and shit. So I fucking dropped like a whole case of like chicken wings on the ground. Like I op- like I picked up the box and the whole entire bottom fell out and they fell all over oh, the yeah. floor. And like one of the other cooks was like, yo, bro, just like throw them in the fryer real, real quick. I'm like, wait, really? <laughs> no. He's like, yeah. So <laughs> just like, these in the fryer. Technically, yeah. you guys can't be using the five second rule. That's not cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the germs, technically, the germs are killed in the fryer. Technically. No, that was like probably one of my. No, look I at don't me. Care. You, you, you guys can see me. Look how red my fucking face is right now. I can't believe I just told you guys that. Like, uh, but yeah, uh, that was, so I think, we appreciate that was the honesty. The worst. No gonna eat at those like quick little fast food spots they're, well they're shut down anyway so <laughs> peter loves eating fast food all the time peter I, i've got i've got a fast food problem me too that's my guilty pleasure i have a wendy's right down the corner <laughs> you do what so that's actually a question i have i feel like someone being so talented in cooking whatever they want do you eat fast food like do you eat out a lot do you post mater are you usually just like cooking up some nice meals throughout the day it, it depends like like, let's say because, like, now since, like, my kind of career kind of shifted a little bit um, and, like, yeah. not being at a restaurant, I would say being at a restaurant, um, we would do, like, family meal, right? So we would basically eat, like, one meal a day kind of thing. Like, you know, coming in, like, super early, prepping and shit, and then we make a staff meal or a family meal around, like, 3 o'clock for, like, everybody. But it's, like, 
it's not like bullshit. You know what I mean? We'll make like chicken curry, like vindaloo, like we'll do like braised goat, like all this, like, like, and sometimes we'll do like sandwiches and burgers and shit like that. But like, we'll eat good for like one point of the day. And then like, when you get out of work, it's like, all right, I'm going to like go to 7-Eleven and get like the world's greasiest fucking hot dog right now. <laughs> no <laughs> you know? way. Yeah, go yeah, from yeah. Michelin yeah. star restaurants to 7-Eleven. I love it. Yeah, 100%. But no, I mean like now, like since I'm, you know, not at a restaurant, like doing a lot of the virtual classes, like I'll eat whatever I make. Um, but also it's like, yeah. you know, cooking, cooking it does at the end of the day, it gets tiring sometimes. Like you do it for a living and like you have a day off, um, you know, you want to go out to eat. So like I would say primarily like eating out is definitely like huge, like on days off. Um, yeah. And like ordering from like your local like Thai spot or like your your Southeast Asian spot or like your, you know, you have like a like a taco truck around the corner that you really like, you know, like just keeping it local kind of thing. Okay. I, I have a lot of those nights. I got to cut back on <laughs> Man, I feel, I feel bad for your fiance just being able to eat all these virtual food dinners that uh, you're cooking with everybody. Her. She's got a hard Poor life, her. man. Well, that's why I'm still here. It's because I cook for her. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you ain't going nowhere. So she ain't going to let you go. That's for sure. All right, so Chef Matt, talk us through. Obviously, with the whole pandemic that the city's gone through, obviously, it's affected the restaurant industry like crazy, like a lot of other industries. How did that? What was your kind of experience with where you the last restaurant you were working in, and how that kind of segued now to uh, what you're doing now with virtual classes um, and kind of your new take on your career. Um, well, to be honest, um, you know, COVID actually like, like my business, like benefited from everybody being, you know, on like lockdown because like nobody went out to restaurants, like nobody went out, like, you know, nothing was open. So like everybody was doing like virtual classes and like, you know, all that good stuff. Um, but I can tell you that, you know, a lot of like friends that I have that are in the industry, like a lot of people that like, you know, opened, like just opened up a restaurant or like even like these big guys, like, you know, like Andrew Carmelini, who has like, like a bunch of restaurants, like these different groups that have a bunch of restaurants. And like, after, like, because COVID hit, like all of them having to shut everything down. And it's like, yo, this is like what I've worked so hard to get and build. And now it's just like completely shut down. And like, there's no going back because now it's permanently closed. You know, it just like, it, it sucks because that happened. But for me, it allowed me to kind of open another door you know, in terms of like not have like to be a chef, you don't have to work in a restaurant. You know, you could you could do like mm-hmm. a hotel, you can do like this virtual shit, you can be a private chef, you can be a chef on a yacht, like you can be, you know, a billionaire chef, like a celebrity chef. Like there's so many different avenues that you can take. And I guess through COVID, it helped me realize like, look, I don't have to pigeonhole myself, you know, into just working at a restaurant. But at the end of the day, like it fucking sucks for like all these other people that like you know, put their like sweat, blood and tears, like literally and like their money and like into their locations, into something that they loved. And like, it just happened like that. And like the carpet just got pulled out from underneath them. That's devastating, man. I t- That's Yeah. I, I really give you props because I mean, you're innovated, you know, it's like, uh, what, what Tony Robbins say, Pete, burn your boats, burn your boats and take the land, take the island. Like you just yeah. saw away and Don't you just made it happen, man. Yeah. You gotta be no chance but to succeed. Yeah. You gotta be yeah. yeah, you gotta be creative and make some things happen. Yep. Love that, man. We're glad to hear that you're doing so well now, man. Uh, obviously we're super stoked for all the restaurants, the, the whole industry to start picking up here as we get out of this pandemic and continue to explore. What would you say is uh your your not a, not it doesn't have to be a restaurant you've worked in, but what's your favorite restaurant in New York City? I know it's a tough one. 
That was actually pretty easy. It's uh, Casa Enrique in Long Island City. Casa Enrique. Casa Enrique. It's like super traditional Mexican. Uh, the chef there, Cosme, he's actually a good friend of mine. Um, and him, like his staff, like it's 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 the food is fucking spectacular. It's a Michelin star, like Mexican traditional Mexican restaurant, which is like fucking huge. Oh well. Wow. But it's it's more than just the food. Like it's it's consistent as hell. Like all the time. Like the cocktails. Like everything's great. The list is great. But like knowing him and like knowing him how like how he treats his employees. Like dude. Like he's had the same dudes working in, like working with him for like twenty fucking years. And like if that doesn't say anything about his character, like and being a professional, like I don't know what does. So it makes it that much better going sure. there. Like knowing that like these these people are happy like making the food that they love to eat. Well, hey, now, now since we have you, this is perfect because there's no one better to ask than you. So for Mexican food, Casa Enrique, that's your all-time favorite in the city. Uh, just off the top of your head, best Italian place in the city. Best Italian place in the city. Um, well, I can tell you two of my favorite Italian places, but they're both in Brooklyn. Okay. So okay. one is um, Cafe Maza. And that is like his pastas, like Gary Taggett, who's a chef there, like his pastas are like fire. They're crack. Like they're delicious. And like his other foods are really dope. Know. But like he's like, like he has his own like extruder, does all of his own fresh pasta, like his own ragus, like, you know, everything like that. And that's super sick. Um, something a little more casual, um, check out Carmenta's. And that's in Bushwick. And that is a little, Carmenta's. that's more of like a, like a, like a takeout spot. Like, I mean, they have tables outside that you can sit at maybe like, like eight to 10 people, something like that. But same thing, make their own fresh pastas, like their own bread, their own cheese. And these, these dudes are dope. Like Paul and Dom, like they're sick. Like they're great pasta makers, great bread makers, cheese makers. Like they, they know the deal. I'm so fucking hungry. So fucking hungry. (laughs) (laughs) He's getting me starving right now. We were, uh, Dustin and I were talking yesterday about, uh, about our favorite pizzas, if it was deep dish and like a Chicago style or a New York style. So to help us kind of settle this, best pizza spot in New York City. Mm. Best pizza is really good. Um, I would say Joe's Pizza in Greenpoint. Joe's? Yeah, we just we went just to Joe's. Joe's. Yeah. Oh, actually, wait, no. Wait, yes, but right by my like train stop, uh, like 40th Street and like Queens Boulevard, Sunnyside Pizza is fire. Sunnyside Pizza is fire. Sunnyside Pizza. Right. That's like a that's like a little. It's like right next. It's like a little storefront. It's like almost like a little bodega, like right next to the train stop, and it's literally just like the smallest kitchen in the world with like four dudes in it, just like shelling pizzas. It's like yo, get in, get out, get in, get out. Like it's quick, you know, because they're like super busy like all the time. That's really good pizza. Sunnyside Pizza. All right, so Chef, uh, last question here on recommendations. Uh, my favorite food is, is seafood. Uh, huge sushi fan. Best seafood sushi spot you know that comes to mind in the city? I would say best sushi is probably like Sushi Nakazawa or like Sushi Naz. That's pretty tight. Sushi Nakazawa, okay. Yeah. Yeah, my, my, uh, the one place they actually have it out in LA, and I've been eating a ton of it out here, is Sugarfish. Love, love, love sugarfish. Yeah, yeah, Pete loves sugarfish. He orders it at least twice a day. I order it way too much. <laughs> I'm surprised he doesn't have a sponsorship <laughs> yet there. 
<laughs> hey, it's not just me either. My dog Trip absolutely like he's oh whenever I get sugarfish, he knows it and he loves the tuna. Loves that the red tuna. He's always like begging for it. So yeah, we eat well together. Eating well. But Chef, it's been great having you on here. If you want to tell our listeners, um, where can they find you, your next projects, anything you wanna plug out there, go for it. Yeah, well, guys, check me out on Instagram, Matt underscore Chef Migs, uh, Chef M-I-G-S. Um, you know, book me for your next private dinner. Come book, come do a virtual class with me. It's it's still running. We're still going, you know. You guys will not regret it. We had an awesome time. Absolutely loved it. We want to do more with you in the future. Awesome. Hey, if we, uh, if we wanted to, Chef, keep it a secret just between Dustin and I, uh, if one of us had, you know, really, you know, special date coming over, uh, we cool if we keep you on retainer to uh, be our private chef and you kind of hide, Done. make everything and then kind of hide and we act like it was our, our job. Right no, there. 100%. 100%. I was really, I was really surprised. I didn't know Chef had accomplished so much from just, you know, I don't know, just for how he started as like a, a teenager and in yeah, the kitchen in such a and, short time. He's only thirty, right? Yeah, he's a young guy, and he's. I mean, I don't know. Anytime you could be a winner on any food channel or food competition, it's just insane. You can tell he's got awesome work ethic. He, you know, definitely just been hustling a bunch in the city, working hard and. Um, all of his success is obviously very well deserved. Uh, just a really great guy. I think an awesome first guest for us to have on. And uh, definitely someone like me who has zero experience in the kitchen just definitely has inspired me to um, pursue it a little bit more. And he's a good, good person to know for sure. Yeah, that was awesome. All right. And for our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. We really appreciate you. Um, we're super excited to have these interviews. We have a lot more coming in that are going to be phenomenal. Um, stay tuned. And again, um, reach out to us if you have any questions or maybe you have an input that you want to for us to talk about. Make sure you reach out to um, our Instagram page. But other than that, we'll see you guys next week. New York, we love you. Bachelors in the City is hosted by me, Peter Weber. And me, Dustin Kendrick. This podcast is produced by Red Rock Music and powered by Acast. Our producer is Red Yoakum and our associate producer is Emma Martins. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. New episodes every Wednesday. Send your voice memos to btc at redrockmusic.com. That's btc at reddrockmusic.com for your chance to be featured on the show. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Bachelors in the City Podcast. See you next week. Thanks for listening and sign up for our membership program to become a honorary third roommate. Join now for $3 per month and enjoy the episodes ad-free. Click the link in the episode description so you can move in.